Hello and welcome to the Two Cents Podcast, hosted by Sam and Dean. My name is Sam, I'm an ex-consultant, investment banker, MBA lecturer, and now co-founder of Nova Money. My friend Dean is an ex-professional football player, entrepreneur, and now trader at Real Life Trading. Although we had very different lives, we both chased money in our 20s and realized in our 30s that chasing material things isn't what will bring us happiness. So in this podcast, we will casually share what life taught us about money, happiness, consumerism, and financial freedom. Hello and welcome to the new episode of Two Cents. Today we're going to talk about how to overcome the fear of investing. Good subject. Yeah, I love this type of stuff. Dean, how did you start to invest? I actually invested at an early age because my mum opened up an ISA account for me. Um, We slowly put X amount away every birthday and things like that. Um, Can't think how much it was now. It's a long time ago. And I remember just thinking when I got older and I had enough to buy my first car, which was cool. The car wasn't cool at all. It was terrible. But the the, the fact that I had the money ready to, to buy a car there was great. So I did learn to invest at an early age. Um, So I'm quite thankful for my parents for that. That's great. You're lucky. So for you, from your very early age, investing was already positively connotated to success and getting a car, being very young. Correct. Yep, indeed. The difference that happened to me when I got older and I realized about having savings accounts and ISAs and things like that is the percentage you get from the banks was I, I outgrew that. I needed things quicker. So, but what about you, Sam? When was your first experience with, uh, with investing? I actually invested very late because I was broke most of my life. And my trauma in life was to not to be broke anymore and being able to pay my rent. Otherwise, I would be kicked out from my student accommodation. And um, I was kind of wondering... Uh, I would like to invest in stock, etc. Uh, because I like uh, I, I was very curious, but I didn't know how it worked and how to invest. But the biggest barrier at the time, it was simply the fees. As a student, I had very little money to play with. Maybe I could play with uh, 10 or 50 euros. <laughs> but <laughs> at the time, the, there was no Revolut, there was no Robinhood, there was no free trade. If you wanted to buy just a stock any older, the fees was about 10 to 15 euros. So when you have 10 to 50 euros to play, and <laughs> it's, it's just going to be all in fees and your return will be zero. So for me, investing was not accessible when I was quite young. Yeah, I think I was quite lucky again from my family. They And I say investing, they we saved and we had savings accounts. So we had something that was giving us interest. So that's where I learned about, you know, things like that. I was again fortunate to be um, to play football at a, a young age and to sign a pro career. So we did have financial advisors who, who helped us with, with our money. Um, mainly the same things, buying uh, like ETFs and you know, spreading your risk across multiple different baskets, so to speak. So, and that is a grounding that I did have, but a lot of my friends didn't. One of my best friends, um, he, he's never, all he does is save. And he saves by withdrawing his money from the bank. He has it in cash. He has it in a shoebox under his bed. That's his savings, right? So um, <laughs> you know who he is when he, when he hears the, the podcast. But 
I think it's something that is taught. I think you're taught that depending on your background and depending on what your family's beliefs are. And it's probably that my grandparents did the same and their grandparents did before me. So it's just been passed down. And I think that's what it comes down to is a lack of knowledge and a lack of awareness. You're from a family of investors. We're from a family of safe savers, should I say, not highly investing in stocks and shares in particular company, or if there's a new tech stock coming out that everyone's buzzing around, that was never going to be the case for my family. But they would get a savings account that would give you your half a percent or, or your three quarters of a percent and put your money into that rather than just letting it sit in, in the current account. I've always been taught that. So family of savers. My biggest financial regrets were not to invest when I had the opportunity. In 2011, I started to work and I got my first experience in the financial industry. It was the financial crash. During the whole summer, everything was recovering very well from the 2008 crisis. But then the real crisis came out because Greek defaulted on their debt and lots of French banks were highly exposed to the Greek debt. I was working at Credit Agricole at the time and they had to write off a loss of 4.5 billion euros on Greece. Very, very substantial. I was in the company. It was my, my first like junior analyst role. So I knew how the company was doing. And the stock price decreased and decreased and decreased. It reached the point where it fell at, I think, 3 euros per share. And I've spent a lot of time doing all the analysis because at that time I was starting also to study my in MBA. So I started to understand a bit the, the financial analysis and the, the corporate finance and how what's a balance sheet, etc. And I would I would knew at 99% that this stock price of three euros per share is way too low. Like there's no way the bank could be valued so little because of its structure. It was like a building society. So bank owns owned a lot by the regional branches and the people and very well diversified and not at risk of defaulting. And this valuation basically was saying that the whole value of the company was only equal to the value of the cash it had as if it had like no more asset and no commercial value at all. So I knew rationally that 99% of chance no way, I should buy that. This is way too low. The market has become irrational because all the other banks are exposed and crashed. But this one, I knew it because I was there and I knew it should be much higher. And I didn't buy it. I could have bought at the time a moderate amount, maybe 1,000 euros, but I didn't. And in no time, the price doubled, tripled and <laughs> went back to, to where it was. So what was the mental block? What prevented you from taking the opportunity? I just, it was my first job. I gave my first paycheck to my father and I didn't have yet anything to enjoy life. So it was my very first money at the time. It's not like I was sitting on a lot of resources and I didn't have much safety net. So it kind of blocked me and I knew I, sh I should have done it but my risk tolerance at the time was way too low and I had really the wrong perception of how I should be taking a risk. Yeah, now I get that. I have a regret as well. I was put the opportunity to invest in Bitcoin in 2015. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 
I just said, this is crazy, right? You know, this is this is not even real. How, it's virtual money. What's How can that be real? So I passed on that. For me, it was 2013, the, the December 2013. I had a German colleague. I was working in the big four, PwC, for those who know this company. I had a German colleague and he said, hey, Sam, I think you like new stuff in you. I'm going to tell you my latest investment. It's something called Bitcoin. Never heard of that. <laughs> 2013, believe me, nobody heard about Bitcoin. And I asked him, what is it? <laughs> oh, it's a new currency and you can buy it and you can exchange it and ask, who is taking Bitcoin? Like, who is using this currency? Well, you know, it's kind of new and a bit edgy, but look, it has gone up in the past. <laughs> <laughs> What a fool. Me. I told him that he was a fool, but I was the fool, obviously. I know. That's exactly the same as me. My biggest regret to this day is passing up on that. But I think hindsight investing is always easy. So at the time, I didn't believe that it was anything. I thought it was belonged to the people who thought the world was flat. So sorry if you think the world's flat, but it's not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> We can't do anything for you if, if, it, that, if that's the case. <laughs> So, but I think, again, that comes down to, although I've been taught um, and passed down to invest, or as I say, you know, I call it now, like strategic saving, you're putting some money into a savings account that gives you a very small return. But if you compare that to inflation, it probably means nothing, which I'm sure we'll touch upon that later. Uh, but I think it comes down to the fear of the unknown. And yeah. I wasn't yeah. prepared to take the gamble. Now I'm a trader. So it's a complete flip where I am now. It's but, your job to take the right risks. Exactly. That's it. it is my job to take the right risk. And that's what we do on a day to day basis. At the time, for me, it didn't seem like it was uh, something that I was going to be interested in or something that I thought was going to last. I thought it'd be another bubble. And yeah, I'm proven wrong once again, which I've been proven wrong many times in my life. So uh, the trend continues. I'm not saying to our audience that now is the time to invest in Bitcoin and that you should go all in. But back in the days, in 2013, 14, I could easily have just invested whatever, even just 100 euros, because I could afford to lose 100 euros just as a play money. Wow. When I look at how much I would have nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for the anecdote, yeah. that German guy was known in the company to be really anti-corporate. He hated the corporate life. For him, it was suffering. His dream was to do kite surfing, live in the nature, and forget about the rest of the world. I don't know how much Bitcoin. So at the time, he had like 500 euros and he invested a bit more. But now I can tell you, he left the company. He's not on LinkedIn anymore. I have no clue what he has become, but he's probably somewhere in the Netherlands doing kite surfing. <laughs> and and uh, most uh, investors who are wealthy people, right? Because they understand the concept of retiring early by making their money compound and make money. So they're retiring on, on the fact that their money is making their money rather than their job or their work is making money. And that's something that is passed down, Sam. So hopefully one day I'll be kind of surfing before my 60s and uh, <laughs> starting now. And I've started investing in companies only of late, really. My investment was always... I'm going to start a new business. That was my mentality, right? New business, going to build another stream, uh, another revenue stream. That was always my mentality. But the problem is when you're doing that, you're not making money when you're sleeping. 
So it, and it requires me to have to do something physical um, in order to get my returns. So I come into the, the whole investing world really late, like three, four years ago now. My savings accounts are still there, earning my 1%. You know, that's great for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had to get more aggressive the more that I learned and the more books that I read. And it was hard because it's uncomfortable. It was an uncomfortable feeling putting money into companies. And that's it. You just walk away from it. And, you know, at first you, you check your phone every five minutes just to see if it's still if it's still in the green. or And then you have to These go These are the rookie days, days of any traders. <laughs> <laughs> and investors <laughs> exactly and you know you, you you get scared and I did take my money out a few times where I panicked when I see the red and I thought no I'd just take it out because I, you know I'd rather lose that than lose it all but you know w once you start looking back historically if you sit through the retracements of stuff then it does normally the market is designed on a whole to go up in my opinion So then I just decided what I'm going to do is just invest in companies that I understand I understand how they make their money. I have a good feeling about them. The same way that I would look at it is if I was going to employ a staff member, you know, and I used to say when I used to hire people that, you know, hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. So I'm guessing this person's going to do something, could do well for, for us and our business. So I'm doing the same when I have investments. I believe this investment's going to do well for me. And if it doesn't, then just be prepared to take your losses. So that's how I got myself over that mental hurdle of making that first investment. I like how you described that before that your mentality was to invest in your business. And the reason is I think any entrepreneur is an investor because they're putting their money into their business. They're investing in themselves and their ability to deploy that capital to multiply it by 10x, 100x in the future. Yeah, correct. Because as an entrepreneur like yourself, you know, you can bet on yourself a hundred times. You'd bet on yourself a hundred times that this, you know, you're going to be more successful than letting someone else, you know, look after any part of your business. But then that stunts growth. I did that. I wore multiple hats when we first started our, our first company. I was trying to do everything at once to the point where, you know, I had to understand where my skill sets lied and I had to get other people to complement the skill set, the skill sets that I lack. And I think, again, it, that's a, how we're going to, as an investor, so not even as a trader, trader's different. I use trading for cash flow. Investing, I'm looking to be like a nest egg, maybe to leave to my children, um, to you know make money while I sleep, compounded interest, all that type of thing. So I had to get my head around that and just you know, give that money, um, you know, wave it goodbye and say, I'll, I'll see you in a, like, like the World Cup, I'll see you in four years and see where you are. You know, that's, that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. See, to see if England can bring home the trophy type of thing. But so yeah, that was my mentality for that. What I realized for me, the blocker and the condition for me to invest was to first feel safe with the amount of savings I have in my safety net. Because the problem is when you, and a lot of people try to invest a bit too early and what's going to happen is at any market move, they're going to panic. And this is exactly when you lose money. It's when you become too emotional and too irrational and You just bought some stocks, you're supposed to leave it sleeping for 5, 10, 15 years and ignore all the short-term noise because things will go up and down on a daily basis. But if you have invested all your money and you don't have a safety net first, then you're going to be super stressed about how your stocks are doing today and tomorrow and the day after. Although you shouldn't care what they are doing on a day-to-day -day basis because it's expected that it will move up and down It's it, so investing is taking 
a short-term risk. But the risk over the long term is actually very minimal. But in order to realize that and to be able to, to be happy and comfortable with that short-term risk, what I needed was to have sufficient savings to feel safe that, okay, now I can take the short-term risk. I don't care if everything crashes by 20% in a week. I still have like three months of rent, six months of rent. I can take my holidays. I will. My life won't change at all. Yeah, and that's a very sensible approach to investing and to trading, whatever people want to do to to earn some other an additional income, right? And my answer to that would be, it could be two things if people are worried about investing, then maybe your risk level is too large. So when I speak to people, and I'm not a financial advisor by a long shot, but when people ask me because they know I'm a trader, how can they get started? I just ask them, okay, why don't you go and invest, go and buy one share in a company that you are very comfortable with, that you know how it earns money. So I look what phone that they've got. If they've got an iPhone, I say, well, go and buy buy one share in Apple and just hold it and see what happens, right? Everyone's comfortable doing something like that. And it's just about getting through that mental comfortability in order just to do something and then let it go, you know, and then you're going to sit through some retracement. So yeah, it's going to come down into red, but you know, if someone like Apple, they're going to keep bringing out phone after phone after phone. It used to be one phone a year. Now I think, I think they're on like Apple 2003 iPhone now and they, something like that. It's crazy. So that's how I encourage people to, to start that. And then they get hooked and they can, then they start to see, okay, it went up, it went up a dollar. I had one share and I've, I've not done nothing for that. So it's just that mental barrier again. And I think I like the fact that you said that you got your savings in order first, because I think I feel like a lot of people don't. I think they want their investments to pay off debt rather than the other way around, right? Clear off your debt first and then start to invest. So It doesn't work for the simple reason that it's the law of the mathematics. Debt, especially credit card debt, costs about 20% interest rate, sometimes even more. Whereas what you can expect from long-term investing, I'm not talking about trading. I think it's very important that we make the distinction between trading. So what you do on a day-to-day basis is you're trading FX and trading anything can happen in the, in the short term. We're talking about investing. So long term, you, you don't look at what's going to happen in the short term. You just invest for a 10 or 15 year horizon. And once you to do that, you can expect usually a 9% annual profit. So 9% is pretty good, especially when you compare it to what we get on the savings account nowadays, 0.5. I mean, you have 1%, I don't know <laughs> in which currency, Zimbabwe, maybe dollars. <laughs> hey, I'll be totally truthful. I don't know if it's 1% or not. That was just a number that I just chucked out there. It is low. That's the, it is a very low amount. But, you know, that's my savings, what I leave there for a rainy day in case things went wrong, right? So, and I'd rather have my savings in a savings account because, again, we're at one of these uh, banks and I won't tell you who they are, but, I can pay monthly and get a really good percentage if I don't ever take it out for a certain period of time. So now my money's locked up anyway. Otherwise, I lose that interest rate, which I think is crazy. But, you know, banks, eh? <laughs> and they thrive off people who are in debt, right? Otherwise, they don't make any, any money. So clear your debts first, then get involved in investing and, and get used to compounded interest and you'll never look back. Absolutely, because if you're stressed by debt or even if you have any debt, don't invest anything because nothing will be able to overpay the 20% interest rate you have in credit card debt. If it's cheap debt, 
like you're paying 2-3%, then it might be okay, although it's an advanced strategy to take debt to invest. I wouldn't recommend that to most people, especially beginners, but if you exactly know what you're doing, then you can go ahead. This is, by the way, how rich people make money. So it is a valid yet dangerous strategy, but always be sure to do things first, clear of the debt, have enough savings so that you're not going to stress, you're not going to panic, you're not going to push the button when the bad news will come in because you know you're comfortable. And I found after a while, the main difference between having savings and not savings is it gives you optionality and confidence. Most people, you know, in the UK, they have less than 100 pounds lifetime savings. It's pretty depressing when you think about it. So when you have 100 pounds in the bank, you're going to be stressed about anything because any bill that increases, any phone breaks, your car breaks, the, the laundry breaks, it's not even able to cover any unexpected in event in life. But when you have the money, then you don't need to worry about that. You know that you can cover if anything breaks, that's fine. And then you can start to think long-term and you can start to have optionality and take positions and take investments because you know you can afford to do so. And this is how you make money. Your balance sheet, your amount of cash and assets is giving you optionality. It's exactly like if you're playing poker. I don't know, do you play poker, Dean? No, I'm one of these people that wears my heart on my sleeve so people could tell if I'm lying. So I'd, <laughs> I'd have to wear like a balaclava and some sunglasses and like sit very still because if I had a good hand, people would actually know that I've got a good hand. And if I haven't, they would know. So I can't play poker. <laughs> <laughs> so the, let me explain. In poker, you have your amount of coins. It's called the stake. In trading, you would call that your capital. And every round, then you need to bet a little bit. And if you have 10 coins and in front of you have opponents with 1 million coins, they don't care about losing 10 coins. They're going to bully you because they know that the only way that you're going to bet your 10 coins is if you're super sure to win. And in every other scenario, you're going to, to freak out and lose money. This is exactly the same with investing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's also the same in trading. I have a, a technique that we call them trap traders, where we think that we've guessed where people have uh, got in the wrong trade because of the trend and they've thought they've picked the top or the bottom. And we wait. And then once we feel like their stops have been hit because they're panicked and they want to get out of their trade is where, where we normally get in. And uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's the same thing with investing. And I liken it to the best investor in the world, right? Uh, Warren Buffett, he always says when the market is crashing, he's buying more because he's buying at the lowest possible price. He's prepared to, to sit through any retracement uh, with the intention of it to, it to go up. And I think I see somewhere somewhere across the internet that you know he earns more in dividends than the CEO of Coca-Cola. So I'm like, this is <laughs> it's crazy, right? And actually, the biggest difference between those who have money and don't is when you have money, you can do this kind of bold move like Warren Buffett. The market is crashing, everybody's panicking, everything is down 50%, great. I'm going to double down my investment. You can't do that if you don't have any safety net. You'd be, uh, oh, are you out of your mind? I'm going to risk everything when everything gets riskier. And I've noticed a lot of the people like me who had like the fear of getting started to invest is the fear of the unknown and what could happen. And my way was to have enough money to feel safe. And then it freed my mind on 
how I could take bet because it's only by taking a risk and bets in life that you can make more money. And actually, when you don't have you don't have money, you kind of overestimate the level of risk that you're taking. Yeah, that's correct. Because you, you're trying to uh, trying to get money, so you're chasing, and that's a very terrible place to be. Because anyone who chases anything, there's a good saying as well about like a, if you, you know, the cat, trying to chase a cat, I think like that is called. If you run after a cat, he runs away. But if you stand there with a glass of milk, then he'll come to you, right? I don't know if cats drink milk. Is that a myth? I don't know. But it's the same applies with when you haven't got money. So I think that there is a fear, and this is like the opposite to investing, but it comes, what you just said, Sam, is savings, and that is such a boring thing to do. No one wants to say, yeah, I've saved this amount, because no one's got rich on savings, right? That's true. No one's got rich on savings, but savings is your safety net. So the priority should be clear debt, build up some savings, and then with the surplus money that you're earning now, you don't owe any debt, start investing into that, start to compound your interest, and then, you know, at one, you know, you can retire before 65 because the state pensions are not looking great at the moment, right? You know, how are you going to live off a state pension? So it's time to start looking into investing and building up some, as I keep using this word, every time we have a podcast, there's a word that I use all the time. I don't know if it's because I've got ADHD, my brain fixates on it, but the word is compounded interest today. <laughs> I think we need to repeat it every single podcast, every single day, compounded interest, the eighth wonder of the world. Mm -hmm. Just to illustrate that, let's play a little tricky game, Dina. I played that game with a, a psychologist, and he, he used to give this example to explain the impact of compounded interest rate. So you have two options. Let's say today's your lucky day, and option one is you have won $1 million. Okay? You're happy. Now, your option two is you will get $1, and every single day, it will double until the end of the month. Which option, Which option do, you do you pick? <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a million dollars, Sam. Yeah, I'm taking it. Yeah. yeah. That's the sensible option. Just take the million dollar. And the reason you, we all take the million dollar is because our mind is just unable to visualize the impact of compounded interest and compounded return. It just blow your mind. I'm sure like 99% of you listeners would take the million dollar. Actually, you don't even need to ask how many days will there be in the month that you want because you would make more money by taking one cent and doubling every single day for 30 days. You would end up with $5 million. What? Really? $5 million. No way. Two power 30 equals 5 million. And if it's a month with uh, 31 day, I think you would get even more. $10 million. $10 million. See, I think if things were broken down in plain English like that, then more people would do it. But, you know, for me, uh, yeah, would you take the you know, dollar a day, the compounded interest or the million dollars? I'm already on the beach. As soon as you said that, I was on the beach. I was on a plane. I was planning my, <laughs> I was planning my next trip. So, yeah, that's... And that, yeah, because, yeah, because everybody wants the one million now rather than something that would double every day. But doubling every day is just... Let's make it a universal rule. Compounded returns will always beat your intuition of what it means. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's great, that is. And we as human beings, we can't even have an intuition of the impact of compound and interest rate. So, where, for example, when we talked about the 1% that you don't even have 1% on your saving account <laughs> versus the 9% that you would expect on average on long-term investing, most people think it's nine times better. No, 
It's not nine times better. It's nine times better the first year. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Because of compounded interest. Compounded interest. In the long term, it's probably 100 times better. But our intuition just cannot visualize that. Unless you live and breathe by mathematics and you do exponential function all day long and you have like a calculator in your brain, which is the only way to really have an intuition of compound the interest rate. And if you know what's the exponential function, if you remember your, your math classes at uni or high school, then try to draw again an exponential function and you will see how quickly it goes out of control. This is the compounded interest rate of investing. And that's it. And I think you're right, because I think for me... I am, we live in an instant world and I'm a very instant person. So I have to, everything about investing and clearing debt and saving was very uncomfortable for me because it was too long. I need everything here right now, but I had to apply what I've read. I had to apply what other people have told me and it, it was uncomfortable. But sometimes the things that are uncomfortable for you are the best things for you. It's like, no one wants to go to the gym. You know, people always tell me, Dean, you look like you're in good shape. Yeah, I am. And I, I hate going to the gym. I hate it. I wake up and every moment that I know that gym time is coming, I give myself reasons not to go, but <laughs> I force myself to go because I want the outcome of three, four, five, six months time, right? So I had I to- I would not have time. expected that from you. <laughs> no one I'm amazed. <laughs> I thought you would, you would be looking for once going to the gym. I hate the gym. I would rather starve myself for a week than go to the gym. Oh, I think oh, if that was the case- bad, bad. But I am. But the problem is my wife's Italian. She cooks really good food. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's it. But you, you know what I mean? It's like everyone wants the six pack, but no one wants to go to the gym. Same with investing. Everyone wants to be rich, but no one wants to do the hard work or the things that are uncomfortable to us naturally. If Once we can overcome that barrier and you could start to see some benefits, then, then that's when it becomes real to people. So it's just get, taking that first step and getting over that hurdle. The other thing is in the perception of risk. And here, I think one of the problem is whenever we see a website for investing, capital at risk, capital at risk, dangerous, dangerous. And it kind of gives this impression, oh, this is like smoking. We're going to get cancer. We're going to lose money. Whereas when you want to take debt on a credit card or when you're on overdraft, where are all the warnings? That's a great point. That's right. Yeah. The APR is hidden. You need like, I wear glasses, right? So I need magnifying glasses, <laughs> like 10 times what I'm seeing now to see where they hide the APR, you know? All and then of, you need the lawyer to explain you what it means in plain English. <laughs> all in Latin as well, right? It's all and in then Latin. you need a spreadsheet to really understand what it really means and see it with your eyes. Because even if it's explained, the APR will always beat your intuition. Again, that again, human psychology. So you, you mentioned about smoking. Now, they put pictures of what happens to people who smoke on, on cigarette packs and people still buy it. We can tell people. But less. But yeah, yeah, that's true. Some people were discouraged by the photo of the, of the cancer and the throat open. Yeah, it's terrible. You know. But yeah, some people still buy it. My, it didn't stop my father, for example. Oh, really? Okay, well, there you go. And that's what I was getting to the point of, you know, people are then told that they need to invest and, and, to, and learn about compounded interest, but they don't do it because it's very easy to go and buy a pack of cigarettes and light up, but it's very hard to invest some money and just not see the benefits of that for a few, you know, as you said, 5, 10, 15 years. For some people, that's too long. Um, but you'd be surprised how quick that goes. Just, you know, think about what's happened between 
and now and two years ago. Look where we come from prior COVID. You know, we come from a, a normal free-flying world two years later where all people are losing jobs, there's recessions and all this stuff. The people who are not panicking are the people who are investing because they're getting good, good prices for good companies, you know? Yeah, it's diversification of your capital. Exactly. You lose your job, but you invested a lot of money in the past five years. Here's the return. Exactly. And again, that brings me to what you mentioned earlier, that we're in the best placed position to invest now because we have all of these free fintech companies like Robinhood that you can get. I don't know how many trades they get for free. I don't use Robinhood because I think they're only in the States for me. But Revolut, I know that there's some people who use Revolut where I am now. And, and you've also got, you know, your app, Sam, which is phenomenal for people what can, can help them save budget and then get to the point where they can invest. So the, the resources that we have now in comparison to what, 20 years ago, is just frightening. So I don't believe there's any excuse that people can't do it now. There's no barrier to entry anymore. And I would also like for people to rethink about what's the risk. I'm sure if tomorrow we go in the street and we survey 100 people and we give them two options, here is a credit card. You can draw 1,000 pounds if you want. And then here is a stock market. You can invest 1,000 pounds on ETF, US ETF. Which one is the riskiest? I'm sure most people would say, oh, investing in ETF in the stock market is more risky. But when you look at it in a very rational and logical way, when you take money in a credit card, your chance to, of making money out of it is zero. You actually have 100% chance to lose money unless if you repay it right away. But the interest rates are working against you. Yeah. And again, that's compounded, right? It's not in your favor. Now it's against you. So It's like surfing. You never want to surf against the wave. The wave is going to crush you. And the compounded interest rate is like a giant wave, like the size of a giant shark or a whale if it's for credit cards. That's why it's called shark loan, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point, actually. I have to figure out where that comes from. I like that. However, if you want to invest money, let's say in ETF and the stock market, so you have a chance to lose in the short term. Not all of it. It will decline by whatever 10, 20, 30, 50%. But you also have a chance to increase it. And on overall, your expected gain is positive on the long term because again, investing is taking a short-term risk. But on the long term, after 20 years, 99% of people make money. Exactly. I have had credit cards. I, I'm, I'm fortunate they're all paid off and I would never get a credit card again. I would rather go and listen to one of our previous episodes and, and start a side hustle, <laughs> right? Go and start a side hustle to get what you need, you know? But yeah, for me, credit cards are like the, they're the, like the devil, man. I just don't touch them anymore. It took me a long time to pay one of them off. And then even when I paid it off, they offered me double my account. So it was, I was tempted. <laughs> the irony. Yeah. Well done, Dean. <laughs> Do you want more? We made a lot of money from you. Exactly. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> so I was like, but no, I had to take a lot of restraint and just cut that up and, and yeah, move. I moved countries so they could never send me another letter to tell me again. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is most people will believe that investing is risky, whereas engaging with all these shark financial products such as shark loans, credit card debt, overdraft is fine. But it's the complete opposite. And is that, do you think, again, fear of the unknown? Like the, the stock market is, is seen as unpredictable and, you know, it's a, you know only certain people with you know, X amount of knowledge can, can do it. I think it's a lack of financial education. Yes, exactly. Like a financial education. 
Or is it also a case where people just don't want to wait anymore? Like, because I do think we're in that that society now where people don't want to wait for anything. Absolutely, we are in the era of instant gratification, and what we don't tell to people is there's nothing good that can happen to you if you take all your decisions based on instant gratification and being short-sighted. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, I must just say that I did it's contradictory to what I just said. I, I did see a YouTube video once. I can't think of what the guy's name is now, but he has got like so many credit cards, but he pays them off. So he uses them, pays them off and gets all these points and he travels the world and all things like that. So I don't know how true it is, but if you're going to get a credit card, then you know make sure that you pay it off before it starts to, to gain interest. Otherwise, you become like my friend who um, has credit cards, pays minimum payments, but then goes and buys like $200 worth of trainers. And I'm just like, this is crazy living. Just go and buy a cheap pair of trainers, man. This is the risky behavior. Much riskier than investing 200 pounds in stock. Well, that's it. And I told him that. I said, look, just get involved in, in, in what I do. And, you know, he goes, no, it's too risky. Too risky. But yeah, he's got three credit cards. Pays minimum payment on them. <laughs> so I don't know. Perception of risk. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've tried to have the exact same conversation with a couple of friends who were kind of reluctant and skeptical about investing because, yeah, it's risky. I don't know what's going to happen. But I told him, look, you just spent £100 yesterday going out. Did you feel it was risky? No, you had fun and it's gone and you're still alive. So why investing £100 is risky for you? Yeah, no, it's true. I also like the fact when people say like, oh, you know, uh, brokers are, are scammers and you know, there's a lot of scamming. And there is scams going on out there. But the biggest scam for me are the banks. Are they, look at the interest or the credit card companies. <laughs> they're, they're thieving from you and they're doing it. But it's a legalized scam. Exactly. That's it. It's crazy. So if people want to start investing, then yeah, do your research, get to understand uh, how to do it. There's so many products out there now, but I think the first and foremost, if you have debt, clear that off, then build up some savings so then you can fully understand that, you know, if anything goes wrong, you're, you're going to survive. Like you said, you're still alive, you know, dead and buried in the water. But it's so imperative now that people invest with inflation rates as they are and everything's going up. And unless your salary is mirroring that, then you're already getting poorer every day. So now's the time. Absolutely. So in a nutshell, if you want to learn about trading and if you're part of the 1% of the population who wants to live and breathe by the market volatility and make lots of money quickly, then go and follow Dean on at Real Life Trading. If you want to learn about long-term investing, how to allocate your money, what you earn between savings, spending, investing and planning long-term, which is not the fast and furious but more stable, then check out novamoney.com. And also our podcast, The Nova Money Mindset, where we interview a lot of people who, maybe just like you, were wondering if investing was right for them and how they got started. We also interview a lot of veteran traders and investors. Cool. Cheers for the plug, Sam. I'll be waiting for everyone. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Hi there, listeners. Dean Ashley Bradshaw here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's a real pleasure for Sam and I to give our two cents on anything related to business, entrepreneurship, investments, and savings. Equally, if you want to find out how an AI app can revolutionize your savings, then head over to novamoney.com. And if you've got a spare five minutes on your hand and want to find out more about me, head over to realtrading.co.uk. I'll see you on the next episode.